0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hanson, and today is January 15th. Today, we begin a brand new Come Follow Me block, which is going to be John chapter one. Now, that might seem like so little to study in one week. And it is a long chapter. It's 51 verses. But there is so much and so much doctrine crammed into this chapter. I absolutely love the book of John. If you'll remember, when we talked about the different gospels, we talked about the purpose of each gospel and how each gospel was written to and for a different group of people. Now, the book of John was specifically written to members of the church. And it's important to note that it's believed that the book of John was written after Matthew Mark, and Luke. And so it makes sense that John would, being the last to write, see what Matthew, Mark, and Luke had written, and then tried to fill in the gaps. Because in the book of John, only 7% of it is a repeat from things that we see in the other gospel. Whereas in the other gospels, they repeat a fair amount of stories and doctrine. This tends to be very, very unique stories and very unique doctrine, a very unique glimpse at Jesus Christ. And so I love that idea that maybe John had taken a look at the writings of the other disciples and knowing that he was specifically writing for members of the church writing on kind of a holier level, he could fill in gaps that the other writers didn't necessarily fill in. It's interesting because we know that, for example, Matthew was written to the Jews, Luke was written to the Gentiles. Here, as John is writing to believing members of the church, it stands to reason that he is able to write on kind of a higher plane. He doesn't have to cover any groundwork. He doesn't have to kind of explain this base. Belief. He's writing to people that have that base belief, and so he's able to teach higher and holier things and in beautiful, beautiful ways. Something that I like about the book of John is that in John chapter 13, John is referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, don't get me wrong, I am sure Jesus loved all his disciples, but there was clearly a very special relationship between John and the Savior. John is also known as John the Beloved. When the Savior was on the cross and he was worried about his mother, who did he turn to to make sure that his mother was going to be taken care of? Someone that he loved, someone that he trusted. He turned to John. And so here, as John is the disciple that Jesus loved, it would stand to reason that John loved the Savior and that love for the Savior, I feel like, just shines through in his gospel. In John chapter 20, verse 31, John is even going to tell us his purpose of writing. Keep in mind, three other gospels had been written by this point, but he must have known that there was just something else that needed to be said. And in chapter 20, verse 31, he is going to tell us his purpose in writing. Yeah, I know it's already been said three times, but I'm writing for this purpose. Listen to what he says is his purpose. He says, But these things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. His purpose of writing, even though the stories had already been told, His purpose of writing is to testify and to help us believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Jehovah of the Old Testament, but that not only is he Jesus Christ, not only is he the Messiah, but that as the Christ, as the Messiah, he is the living son of God. And that by belief and faith in that fact, we might have life everlasting. That was his purpose in writing, and clearly there was something that he felt was maybe missing from the previous three gospels to really clarify those teachings and those ideas because he felt it necessary to jump in and to write a gospel of his own, directed not to the Jews, not to the Gentiles, but to the believing members of the church to solidify within us our testimonies of Christ as our Savior, as the Messiah, as the Son of God, so that through believing, through that faith on that fact, we might obtain everlasting life. As we study the book of John, both this week and in the months to come, as we study John, let's study with that purpose in mind, to come to a greater knowledge, greater testimony of Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. John serves as a special witness of Christ in that he almost acts like a counselor to the Savior. There are several different experiences in the book of John that were unique experiences for John. Experiences that he and Peter and James were the only ones to experience, such as the rising of Jairus' daughter, the transfiguration, and the experience in Gethsemane. John gives us a very unique perspective on Christ because he gets the opportunity to see him in these sacred, sacred experiences. A unique perspective that John gives us that we don't necessarily get from some of the other disciples is the perspective of the premortal Christ. John is going to teach us a little bit of that, here in John chapter 1, the first couple of verses, but he's also going to teach it to us in the book of Revelations. And those are teachings, that's a perspective of Christ that we don't necessarily get from the other disciples or from the other authors found in the New Testament. So let's jump into John chapter 1, verse 1, where we're going to see a super unique look at who Christ is. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, something that I love about this scripture is that we get the opportunity to see a title of Christ. That's something that we should pay particular attention to as we go throughout the New Testament and as we study the New Testament and other scriptures, taking a look at different names that the Savior has. Now Joseph Smith translation also talks about this word being the word of God as well. But a cross-reference to this that I absolutely love is in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, which says, for there are three that bear record of heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. This idea that John teaches us that a title for the Savior is the word. Notice that the word here is capitalized. The Word is Christ. And this scripture teaches us so much about Christ that's often overlooked in the Christian world. Here it says, In the beginning was the Word. So before this world was, Christ was there. This teaches us about a pre mortal experience that we were part of and that Christ was part of as well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In the time before this earth, God was there, Christ was there, and we were there as well. And the Word was God. I love what this teaches us about who the Savior was before this world even began. Before the world began, He was already a God, and we already trusted Him as our Savior. Elder Hubie Brown once taught, the Apostle John tells us that the word which he identifies as the Savior was with God in the beginning. This is a precise and unambiguous declaration, not only that he was with God in the beginning, but that he himself was invested with the powers and rank of Godship, and that he came into the world and dwelt among man. My friends, because the Savior was with God in the beginning, before this world was, Because he was endowed with the powers of Godship before this world was, and because we were there with him before the world was, we came to know him and understand him and trust him in ways that, if we'll allow it to, will carry us through this earth as well. Brother Corbett of the General Young Men's Presidency said When Jesus Christ promised he would come into mortality and give his life to gather and save us, you did not simply believe him. You noble spirits had such exceedingly great faith that you saw his promise as sure. He could not lie, so you saw him as if he had already shed his blood for you long before you were born. My friends, it's the faith and the trust that we had in our Savior that gave us the courage to follow him in the pre-mortal existence and to accept this mortal existence. And I testify that it is only that faith and trust in him that can carry us now through the hardships of this mortal experience, faith and trust that he has done what he said he would do, and faith and trust that he can lift us, build us, and carry us back home again with him as we follow him in faith. Thank you so much for listening today.